Yeah, hey Parkview, how you doing? We good? All right, yeah, hey, I want to say hello to everybody uh, all around Chicagoland, good to see you. Uh, kind of see you, actually, I'm trying to focus here, uh, so I can't exactly see you. But uh, we're in the last weekend of this series called Overwhelmed. And if you were around here last weekend, uh, Pastor Tim uh, shared a great message, and he talked some about just juggling all kinds of things in our lives, too many things. And again, if, if you missed that, I hope you'll go back and, and catch that. And uh, I started thinking this week about how am I going to wrap up this series, and what are we going to do? And I started thinking, well, I can't juggle, uh, like... Pastor Tim, and maybe actually Pastor Tim can't really juggle either uh, a little bit, but um, that's another topic probably. But what I can do is I can balance uh, stuff uh, pretty, pretty well. And so what I'm going to do this weekend as we wrap up this whole series, Overwhelmed, is I'm going to share a message with you that's taken me about 10 years, about a decade of my life to uh, put together and understand and write. And I know that sounds crazy, right? I mean, sometimes you're maybe thinking, how long does it take, you know, preachers and pastors, you know, to make a message? Is it a few days or weeks? Is it months? And, you know, it can, it can be any of those things. But for me, this one, this weekend is kind of like a life message. It's something that's taken me about a decade of my life uh, to figure out. And, and, and here's what I would say to you, Parkview, uh, around all of our camps is if you're feeling overwhelmed, at all. For just a few hours of your week, sometimes that happens to us. It can be days for some people feeling overwhelmed or stressed out, carries on and on and on. If you feel that way in your family or with your finances, your friendships, your work, your neighbors, whatever it is, here's the thing I want to say to you today. I know why. I can tell you why you feel overwhelmed. And some of you are thinking, well, Todd, how, you don't even know me. How are you going to tell me how I feel overwhelmed or why I'm feeling you know, out of sorts or, or that sort of thing? Here, here's the thing. I, I know why, and, and I can help you, just like I, I've had people been able to help me overcome some of these feelings of being overwhelmed. And today, the way we're going to learn that and understand that is when it comes to our lives, if you're feeling overwhelmed at all, out of balance, stressed out. Here's, here's why. It's because you have violated one of the two rules, two indisputable rules that God has given for balance in our lives and in this world. It doesn't matter who you are. These are just the two rules. And today, if you're taking notes, I would encourage you, this, this has been, again, a life lesson for me that I apply to my life every single week. So I want to ask you to write down these two rules today, maybe for you or your kids or your neighbors, your grandkids. And I'm going to try and put the first one up here while I'm still balancing, and I'm going to try not to crack the TV. Ready? Here's the first one. Got it? The first rule is proper reference point. Whenever you're balancing anything, whether it's your life or whether you're balancing a bat, you got to have a proper reference point. You see, the whole time I've been balancing this thing, what have I been doing? I've been looking up at the top. I've had this proper reference point as I've been doing this. And, and the deal is this. If you went home, if you go home later today and you get a bat or a broom or whatever, you can do this in just a few minutes, but you will immediately start looking up to the top and you will get this proper reference point. Now, let me ask you this. What if I would lose a proper reference point while I'm balancing this? What if all of a sudden, instead of looking up at the top, I just start to look out at you and try and... Well, immediately. Immediately I lose balance. I mean, it's within seconds that I lose balance when I take my eyes off that proper reference point. When I start to look out at you, or let's say even, you know, more... Yeah, a vivid display of that, not just looking out at you. What if I take my eyes off that reference point and I just look at myself? I put my eyes on myself instead of that reference point. <laughs> Again, it's just moments that I lose balance. That's just the way 
It is. So the first rule of balancing anything in our lives, our family, our finances, whatever it may be, is we got to have that proper reference point. But then the second rule of balance that goes along with it, let me pop this up here. Are you ready for this? Don't break Tim's TV. Is constant corrections. Constant corrections. You see what my hand has been doing down here the whole time I've been balancing this bat? It's been doing what? It's been moving around, right? It's making all kinds of these, these little tiny micro corrections. Now, let me ask you this, Parkview. What if I would just keep a proper reference point? I'm looking up where I should be. I've got my eyes where they should be. But what if I just decided to stop making corrections? What would happen? I'll do that on the count of three. Ready for this? Here we go. One, two, three. Again, it's just, it, it, it doesn't take any time. If I, if I have the proper reference point, but yet I stop making corrections, it's going to fall. And, and in our lives, this is the way it is. I, I promise, I promise, I promise. No matter who you are, whether you've been around church for a long time or just a little bit, if you're feeling off in your life, if you're feeling overwhelmed in your life, if you're not feeling on mission in your life and your family for God and his kingdom, it's because somewhere along the line we've lost track of a proper reference point or we've quit making some of the little corrections that we need to make in our lives. And so I want to spend a little bit of time as we pull this series together just talking about those uh, two principles for our lives. The first thing is this, the, the proper reference point. If you are a follower of Jesus and you've been doing that for decades or a few years or maybe you're just starting to follow after Jesus, the proper reference point that, that you and I should have in our lives is this. If you're writing things down, taking notes, is God and his word. God and his word should be where our focus is at, where our gaze is at. And for me in my life, again, I do this all the time. Every single week I'm thinking through what I'm sharing with you today. If I'm feeling off in my life, if I'm feeling a little bit stressed, if I'm feeling like I lack grace, if I'm you know, just feeling overwhelmed, if I don't have confidence, if, my vision, if, if my, my, my vision of what I feel like God's calling me to do in my family is, is blurry, or something like that, if I'm irritable, if I'm getting easily angry, then one of the first things I do is I check my reference point. How long has it been, how long has it been since I spent some time with God and his word? And if I can look back on my life, and it's been a, a day or two, or four days, or five, or seven days since I've actually spent some time with God and his word in my Bible or on my smartphone reading or something like that, then I, I've already discovered pretty quickly why I'm feeling a little bit off, why I'm a little bit irritable, why, why I'm maybe not as on mission as I want to be. Part of you listen, and, and so many of you know this, but if, if you'll just take God's word on, in your Bible or on a smartphone or whatever it is, and you'll spend some time with this, just a few minutes at with a cup of coffee in the morning, or, or at lunch, at school, or work, if you'll just have your Bible along with you like, like this, or and a smartphone, and you'll just spend some time over lunch, listen, it, it's amazing just spending a few moments in God's Word, how, how balance and, and dexterity and, and passion and purpose can return. God can do in just a few seconds what we couldn't do in weeks or months or years in our lives. Now, when it comes to God's word, I, I need to just tell you this, and I, I always try and just be as open and raw and honest with you as I can. When it comes to God's word and his wisdom and his will for my life and that sort of thing, I need to tell you, 
that for a lot of my life, I, I grew up kind of believing that it's, it's hard to find. How do I find God's will? People are always asking me that. How do I find God's will for my life? How, how do I find God's wisdom for my life? And, and I kind of grew up, I grew up in a great church, but I kind of grew up thinking, man, you got to probably be a preacher to know that. And, and, and then he'll, he'll tell us, or there's somebody who really kind of has a doctorate in, in the Bible, and that's how you get to know God's wisdom, and that's how you get to know God's will for your life. And then you know what happened? I read Proverbs. It's a book in the Old Testament of the Bible, the book of Proverbs, and it talks all about God's will for our lives and all about God's wisdom that we can find. And, and take a look at what Proverbs uh, says. This, this is just unbelievable to me. If you go just a little ways through, just the very first chapter, talks all about the wisdom of God and, and the word and the will of God. Here's what it says. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. Take, take, take a look at this. Out in the open, wisdom cries and calls out. I mean, she, she raises, raises her voice in, in the public square. At the, at the top of the wall, at the city gate, she makes her speech. Does this sound like God's wisdom is hiding? Like, man, I don't know where that's going to be. I'm going to find it one of these days. It's going to be awesome. I don't know where it's at. No, no. It, it's crying out God's will and God's wisdom and God's leading for our lives and for our families is crying out to us. But we have to spend time digging in and listening to it to find it. But it's crying out to us if we'll just spend time focusing on God and, and his word. And the very last verse in, in Proverbs chapter 1 says this. This is so awesome. But whoever listens to me finds my wisdom, looks into my wisdom, is what it's been talking about the whole chapter. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. How does that sound? To, to live in, in safety, right? To be at ease without any fear of harm. As I'm reading through that and thinking about wrapping up this overwhelmed series, I'm thinking to myself, guess what? This, this is like the opposite of being overwhelmed. That's what it's like. And, and, and so for me, what happens in, in my life is when I'm feeling overwhelmed and I look at my life and, and I, uh, I start to think, man, I'm, just, I'm, I'm a little bit off, I start to look and say, have I lost track of that proper reference point of God and his word. How long has it been since I spent time with God and his word? And if it's been two or three days or a week, I, I know why I'm feeling off or a good idea of what I need to do to get back tracking on mission with my life and my family. Now, here's the truth. Here's the truth. You can have in your life, and maybe you're already thinking it in your head, you can have a proper reference point. And maybe you've been thinking to yourself right now, Todd, I, I think I have that. I think I, I spend time in God's Word, and I'm doing this Bible study thing, and I'm filling in the blanks, and I'm, I'm reading certain things, or I'm going through the Bible in a year or whatever. I, I have my eyes on God and His Word, and I, I'm still feeling a little bit off. I'm still feeling overwhelmed and stressed and things like that. Why is that? Well, it's because you can't only have the proper reference point. We also have to continually in our lives do what? Remember? Make these little constant corrections. Right? The, the second part of this is we have to make these constant corrections in our lives. And so I want to share with you this weekend, just as openly as I can, 
some of the little corrections that, that I make in my life. Once I know I've got God's word and him as the focus, man, I've been doing that, I was with him this morning, I was with him this afternoon, whatever the case, then I just immediately start looking to these four little corrections in my life to keep me going, to keep me on mission, if you will. So here's the first one, okay? It's taken me 10 years to figure these out. And you can, you can adopt some of mine or you can create some of your own that you can develop, these little corrections you know you need, okay? But here's, here's my first one. More rest. More rest. And I know that sounds so simple, but we live in a culture where rest is basically mocked, right? I mean, if you're going to rest, it's like you're lazy. If, you, if you're going to rest, you're, you're probably getting behind if you're going to rest. When you ask somebody how they're doing, Somebody said, you talk to somebody, you say, man, hey, hey, what's up? How, how you doing? The response usually isn't, man, I'm just, I'm not doing much, man. I'm just chilling. I'm just, I don't have much going on at all. No, no. What's the response usually? Oh, I'm, it's busy. I'm busy. How you doing? I'm busy. What, I'm, I'm busting it. I'm, I'm getting it done. I, I am getting stuff done. And, and like, like being busy in a lot of ways is kind of like a badge of courage. And, and, and here's the thing. I'm not busting on being busy. I think it's fine to be busy for all kinds of things. But here's what I would tell you. It takes more courage in our culture today to rest than it does to just be busy all the time. It just does. I promise takes more courage for you, takes more courage for me to slow down a little bit, let a few things maybe go by, and spend a little bit of time in rest. It takes more courage to do that. And beyond that, rest, check this out, rest, we could do a whole message on this and a whole series, maybe we will sometime, but rest is what gives rhythm to our lives. It's what gives rhythm to our lives. And this goes all the way back to the beginning. Take a look at this scripture in the Bible in Genesis chapter 2. On the seventh day... God rested, everybody say rested, he rested from all his work. Now here's a question, here's a question you got to ask when, you, when you're reading that, and that is, why? Why did God rest after that work? Was he exhausted? Was he wiped out? Did he get to the end of the week and say, thank me, it's Friday, you know, kind of thing, T-M-I-F or T-G-T-O, however that would go, thank, thank me, it's Friday, right, kind of thing. Is, is that what happened? No, I don't, I don't think that's what happened. I think what God was doing, what God is doing, is he's given us a rhythm for our lives. And rest is part of that. Check this out. You have some time of work, and, and then you spend a little bit of time in rest. And you have some time in activity and, and doing all kinds of things, no matter what they may be in your life. But then after you have that activity, you have some time of reflection, Slowing down, thinking about those activities that you did and the blessings maybe that were brought from them or the lessons that you learned in those activities that maybe weren't so good. You spend some time in production and, and productivity at your work or at school or whatever it is, but then you spend some time in gratitude, thanking God for that, that, that last season you've been through. Rest, You see, rest isn't always just about sleep. I mean, we need sleep, but rest can also just be that slowing down and, and, and not just producing things and, and spending some time in gratitude. To God. Rest reminds us that we're eternal beings, that there's more to this life than what we can cram into a week. Rest, here's what rest does rest allows your soul to catch up with your schedule. And it's important for our lives. When I, in my life, when I have that proper reference point, when I know I've got God and his word up there and I'm doing okay with that, the first thing I look at 
is rest. If I'm still feeling out of whack, I say, man, do I need more rest in my life, whether that's actual rest at night or just some more contemplation or reflection and that sort of thing. And if I've got enough rest, if I'm doing okay on that, then I move on to this other deal that I've just found over the years in my life. And that is this, that I need more exercise. I need more exercise. And that's not going to be what this whole message is about. Again, exercise and taking care of ourselves and our bodies is a huge thing throughout Scripture that we want to do to live well for God and his kingdom. But it's something I know I often need more of in my life. And I'll admit this to you. I have not turned my garage into like a CrossFit gym or something like that. I mean, it's not, you know, I'm not selling memberships to the Clark CrossFit and that's right. I mean, if you have a CrossFit thing going on, that's wonderful for you, but I just, I haven't done that. But if I, I figure if I can get two or three, sometimes four days of exercise during the week, then I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm staying more in, in balance and on mission. I have energy. I have energy for what God needs me to do in my life and, and with my family and, and with his church. Back at the beginning of the year, I write this blog, and I wrote this article on this blog. We'll put it up on the, on the side screens here this weekend. It, it was called this, How One Push-Up a Day Has Changed My Life. And this was clear back in January, and it went on a little bit longer than this, but it basically says it's simple. One push-up never equals just one push-up. When I make myself get down on the floor for just one push-up, it always becomes 10 or 20 or 30 or more. I'm down here now, I may as well do a few more, and that's how just one push-up has changed my life life, right? When you get down there, you don't, you don't have to say, well, I'm going to work out for an hour and a half. Well, no, I'm not going to, no, I'm not. I'm not going to work out for an hour and a half. Or, you know, if I could just do one push-up, then I may do 10 or 20 or, or whatever it is in your exercise, you know, that, that you are doing. So a lot of times when I'm feeling that way, when I'm feeling overwhelmed or when I'm feeling stressed in my life, I just start thinking through these things. Do I have my proper reference point? Okay, I've got that. I've spent time with God. I've spent time with his word. I'm looking at the right things. Have I had enough rest in my life? Do I have enough exercise in my life? And then there's another thing. There's a third thing, a little tiny correction that I oftentimes have to make that I'm assuming some of you will probably relate to, and that is this. More no and less yes. More no and less yes. I know Pastor Tim touched on this some Last week when he was talking about juggling, you know, all sorts of things and juggling too many things. And sometimes that can be dangerous for us because we can actually hurt ourselves. Or we can, we can drop things that are precious to us when we're juggling too many things. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, <clears throat> again, just me being open and honest with you this weekend. For a lot of my life and a lot of my ministry life, 25 years of ministry life, uh, for probably about 18 or 20 of those years of my life and ministry life, I've just kind of had the motto of I just didn't say no. I, I was never going to say no to people needed this or that or my family or friends or neighbors or churches or whatever. I just, yeah, I can do it. I can be there. I can fly there. I can, and I just never said no. And, and, and let me tell you how that all started. And maybe this will help make sense to you for some of the things that you wrestle with in your life. It, it all started for me back when I was in college. I was 18 or 19 years old. I was a sophomore in college, and I was going to Manhattan Christian College in Manhattan, Kansas, not New York, right? The little apple, not the big apple, right? Uh, so Manhattan, Kansas, right near Kansas State University, and uh, was studying ministry, and I had this weekend ministry where I would travel every weekend from Manhattan, Kansas to Kansas City about two hours 
And I was leading elementary, junior high, and senior high at this church of about 80 or 90 people. So I had about 10 or 15 kids, and I was doing all kinds of you know, different things with them and stuff like that. And, and uh, I, I, I can remember clearly doing that over and over. And it, it was, it was uh, early in the semester, maybe October, November-ish, my sophomore year. I can remember one night I'd, I'd got done doing that, and, and uh, everything was done, and I was, I was leading this uh, weekend ministry. I had a full slate of classes at school. I was playing soccer and traveling. I was dating and courting this girl who I hoped would be my wife, and praise God, now she is. Uh, and I remember just with all that on me, I remember this one night. I got done with stuff. It was about 10 p.m. I can remember it like it was yesterday. And I'm in this little kitchen sitting by this refrigerator in this little church of 80 or 90 people. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I mean, I've been here all weekend. I've spent like 20 hours doing this stuff. I got to drive back to school now. I'm going to get back about one or two o'clock in the morning. I have a paper I got to write. I'm going to be playing soccer all week long and practicing. I've got this girl that I'm trying to spend time with. And I was just completely overwhelmed and completely stressed out. And about the time I was having my own little breakdown, my senior pastor, my lead pastor walks into that kitchen like at 10 o'clock at night. Who knows what he's doing there? And, and he says, what's going on? Why are you here? And so I just, the, the dam broke. And I just begin to tell him everything and I'm doing this. And I don't know if I can keep doing this anymore. And I feel so bad about this. And I don't even you know, I'm just going on and on and on, right? And so he listened to me. He was so kind. He was so good. And he listened to me. And then I'll never forget this. I'll never forget. Here's what he did. He looked at me and he said, Todd, I get it. I understand everything you're saying. But then here's what he said to me. And he's a great, he's a great man. But here's what he said. He said, Todd, I understand all that. But here's the thing. The devil never takes a break. So neither should we. The devil never is going to take a break, so neither do we. And guess what, Parkview? I hate to admit it, but I lived with that for 18 or 20 years. I really did. That the devil never takes a break, so neither am I. I'm going to just keep going. I'm going to do this, and I'm, you know, I'm, going to, I'm going to raid hell with water balloons, and that's just where we're headed. I'm, just going, to, I'm, going, to, I'm going to keep going at it. And, and maybe even if I'm, as I'm saying that, some of you are going, Todd, that's right. I believe that, actually. And the devil never takes a break, and I think that's true. And some of you are thinking that in your head. And, and, and if you're thinking that, I wouldn't deny that. I think it probably is true. I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing the, the truth of that statement, the devil never takes a break. I think it's probably true. The, the, the problem is this, that when you and I begin to live in that truth and model that truth, we actually make the devil our mentor. Okay? If we never, let me say it again, if we never take a break and we're always doing this and always doing that, what actually happens is we make the devil our mentor. And if we never say no and try and care for everything, we will soon find out we don't have the capacity to care for anything just the way it works in our world. I promise, and some of you have already experienced that. You will flourish yourself nearly to death. You will be overwhelmed. I had to spend thousands of dollars to figure this out with a counselor and dozens of hours of my time to realize that my, my thing of not saying no to anything led me back to this, this one, every, led me back to this one thing in my life, this one ailment really in my life that maybe you've never heard of, but maybe some of you experience. You've just never heard it said. But here's what it is. It's a very real thing. I experienced it in my life. I still have to battle it today. It's called this. Compassion fatigue. Compassion, compassion fatigue. And you can read about it. It's, it's characterized in all different kinds of ways, but depending on who describes it. But it's the emotional stress or apathy resulting from the constant demands of caring for others. What happened to me, and again, don't, don't get me wrong here. It, it, it's, good to care for, it's good to care for people. It's good to say, yes, it's good to care for people. But what happened for me is in, in my efforts to care for everyone, there was a season of my life, in, an, in my efforts to care for everyone and everything, I found myself 
not really caring about anyone or anything. Okay? Now listen, it's not that I didn't care. It's that I couldn't. I didn't have the capacity. I felt numb sometimes because I was going so fast. You ever been there? You ever come home from work some evening and you sit down and you just take a deep breath and you say, man, doggone it. I should have more energy for, for my family. I, I should care more about this relationship with my spouse. Shoot, 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 shoot. I should care more about my neighbors, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm wiped. And here's what I've learned. And this, this may just sound, this may sound so nuts, but it's true. Here's, here's what I've learned about our lives. So many of our lives, especially in this culture in which we live, again, this message this weekend is kind of like a life message for me. It's taken me a while to learn this. Most of our, most of our lives are lived at such an overwhelming pace and speed that here's what we actually have to do. If you're taking notes, write this down. You must actually steward your compassion. This is going to sound crazy. I know some of you are going, come on, what? I mean, say steward your compassion. Listen, let, let me unpack this. You know you have to steward your money because you only have a certain amount of money. It, it doesn't only go so far, so you've got to be careful with it because you only have so much money. You know you've got to be careful with your time because you only have so much time. You only have so much this week. You only have so much, you know, today. You have to be careful with your time. But to think about stewarding your care and stewarding your compassion, I mean, that just seems crazy, Right? But listen, as you study the Word of God and you study the life of Jesus in the New Testament of the Bible, here's what you begin to understand. Even Jesus didn't have unlimited capacity to care. Now, he was always caring, but he didn't have unlimited capacity to care. There were times when Jesus had to strategically step away from some of the things he was doing so that he could lighten his load just a little bit. Just like Jesus, sometimes we need to say no to some of the people that we're loving and leading, not forever, but just for a bit, so that we can go refresh ourselves so that then we can also refresh others. Somebody say amen. amen. That's what we have to do. Just like Jesus, sometimes we have to say that. And if I'm in my life, and listen, I promise, I promise, if I'm sitting there going, man, I'm just, oh, man, I'm, I'm kind of angry at people or I'm short with my spouse or I don't have energy for my kids or I'm just feeling out of balance, I check through all of those things, and one of the big things and last things I ask myself there is, is when is the last time I said no to anything? And if it's been a few weeks or a few months since I've said no, then I'm pretty sure, hey, listen, I need to go back and reevaluate some things. There's plenty of good things I say yes to. I'm not saying you don't ever say yes, but at times you have to say no. So that you can refresh yourself, so that you can also continue to refresh others. I checked those things. There's one last thing, one last little correction that I've learned over the last decade that if I'm doing this, then I'm doing good. If I'm not doing this, then I'm, I'm going to be off, guaranteed. Here it is more obeyed promptings. More obeyed promptings. The Bible is clear. As you read through Scripture, really old and new, that God speaks to his people through the power of his Spirit. That God whispers at times to our hearts and, and, and nudges us, however you want to say it. And, and I know that promptings from God are rather mystical and mysterious I'm not exactly sure where promptings of God fit into your theology personally. 
But doesn't it seem true? Doesn't it seem true that if God lives in us by the presence and power of his spirit, that he'll also want to speak to us? He'll want to prompt us. He'll want to nudge us towards certain people or or certain things or activities and and that sort of thing. Here's the thing for me. When, when, When God gives these promptings, if I have, again, to a proper reference point, if I've got my eyes on him and I'm watching him, I'm in tune with him and his word, then his voice is fairly easy for me to hear. And then I can choose to obey those things, if I will. Allow my schedule to be a bit interruptible, which is hard. But here's also the thing. Look, if I don't have a proper reference point, if I'm only looking at other people all all day long, or if I'm, you know, I've got so much to do, I've got to just look at me, then I'm probably not hearing his voice and his promptings the way I should in my life. And so that's the last thing I do. I say to myself, Todd, why are you so irritable? Why are you not on mission the way you should be for God's kingdom and his purposes in your family? Here's the last thing I've learned over a decade to ask myself. When was the last time I heard a whisper from God, however that comes? And then I did it. I sent that person a text message or I went and bought them lunch or I just drove over to their house and sat out in front and prayed. I don't even know why, but I just did it. When was the last time I did something like that? And if it's been a while, then I know I'm, that's, that, that may be why I'm off in my life. So with all that being said, I know that's a lot. That's a lot of lesson and a lot of life and a lot of scripture and a lot of God's principles from our world in one thing. So if you've, if you've zoned out here over the last, you know, uh, you know, 25 minutes or so, let me uh, bring you back in here, right? Uh, last week, Tim was doing all kinds of juggling, and now I'm balancing. It's kind of like a circus, okay? So it's, I'm, I'm, here's, here's the thing. If you, if you, if you zoned out, here, here's the thing. All right, there's, there, there's two rules, right? Write these things down. If you're feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, not on mission in your life, the two rules. First, you've got to have a proper reference point, whether you're balancing your life or a bat. You've got to have that proper reference point. And secondly, you've got to be willing to make these constant little corrections in your life. And my guess is this, that if you're sitting here this weekend and you're feeling a little stressed out and off and overwhelmed, my guess is you have either lost track of a proper reference point you put your eyes just more on other people or you put your eyes more on yourself. You've lost track of that. Or you've quit making just little tiny corrections that you know you need to make in your life. But here's the amazing thing. Here's what's so good. Here's why I want to share this whole message with you this weekend at Parkview. It's, it's because of this. I promise, I promise, I promise that if, if you, if you will just return to a proper reference point with God and his word, if you'll just decide to spend some time with him today or, or this weekend, if you'll return to a proper reference point and you'll decide to just start making some of those little corrections that you know you need to make in your life, guess what? You will be absolutely amazed at how quickly balance and, and, and focus and passion and purpose and confidence begin to return to your life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thanks for a time to carve out 
a half an hour to study and a half an hour to sing and to just really put our eyes back up on you and to take them off of other things that distract us. And God, I thank you for the reference point you are to us. I thank you for your word, the Bible we have that shouts out wisdom if we will just dive into it. God, I pray that even this weekend you would nudge our hearts with the little corrections and and things that we need to do to, to be on mission and focused and full of confidence for you. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for being someone we can always look to. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Help us to keep our gaze upon him. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.